You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. Well, as we first reported Thursday, a tentative deal will give Vancouver police officers improved benefits and make them the highest paid officers in the country. That, of course, helps recruit and retain officers. But as Catherine Urquhart reports, the new agreement could also present new challenges for other policing agencies. I spent 10 years at the RCMP before coming over to the VPD. Vancouver police are amid a recruitment drive and they're about to have much more to offer. Soon, officers are likely to become the highest paid in Canada. They have a new tentative collective agreement, which will give a first-class officer about $122,000 a year. Whether it's to give them the best benefits in the country, uh, along with the number one pay in the country, is very important for us to not only recruit the best for Vancouver, but to retain the best for Vancouver. Benefits are also improving to extended health, psychological services, fertility coverage and parental leave. The agreement could impact other collective agreements in the province and across the country. You will see other police departments try and match what Vancouver has. It's going to be difficult given the fact that many of them are already into year-long or multi-year contracts where Vancouver just negotiated a fresh agreement for the next few years. Surrey's mayor, who continues to battle against a transition to the Surrey Police Service, seems unconcerned by the agreement. It was to be expected that uh, with the um, absolutely significant uh, challenges that people are having hiring uh, frontline police officers, everybody has to have a collective agreement that can address that need and respond to the hiring challenges that everybody's having. VPD's tentative new deal could also present additional challenges for the RCMP as they too work to hire more officers. Given the fact that Vancouver has a substantial increase in what they're going to pay their officers in benefits, it's going to attract the people that may have gone to the RCMP over to Vancouver. Vancouver is going to have the cream of the crop and qualified individuals that want to enter the policing profession. Like a lot of you out there, I did not know what I wanted to be when I grew up. As policing agencies across the country struggle to recruit and retain officers, VPD expected to have a solid edge, at least until other departments possibly offer even more. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. The city of Port Coquitlam says a provincially run healing center is tying up too many of its police resources and it's asking for help from the government. As Aaron MacArthur reports, the mayor says it's costing the city hundreds of thousands of dollars. We'll transition into one of our treatment units. When opened, it was billed as the future of treating mental health and addiction together. Redfish Healing Center offering care for up to 105 patients in a first-of-its-kind facility. There isn't a model of care like this in North America. Two years later, and there are concerns the provincial funding hasn't matched the need. Police calls to the site in Coquitlam are draining resources from other calls around the Tri-Cities. Vulnerable patients who walk away from the facility are required to be reported to the RCMP. According to the Coquitlam Detachment, the calls amount to about $500,000 a year, or the equivalent of four full-time officers solely dedicated to redfish. It's another example of the province setting something up and handing a bill to local property taxpayers and saying, here, you deal with the fallout. 
West and Coquitlam's mayor, Richard Stewart, both agree this facility is sorely needed. But the center deals with mental health and addictions on a provincial scale. Yet the funding for these extra police resources comes straight out of municipal budgets. The two city councils have pressed the public safety minister and the mental health and addictions minister looking for more funding, but there appears to be no short-term solution. When they cause this much need for local policing, they become a barrier to the next community wanting, uh, that, that would, might be willing to accept them. In a statement to Global News, the mental health and addictions ministry touted the benefits of the healing centre, but did not address the mayor's concerns. The province needs to step in and they need to finish the job they started, which is ensuring the facility has the support it needs to be successful, and that means funding the policing costs. According to Stewart, there have been some improvements in protocols between staff at the Redfish Centre and the RCMP. The detachment feels police call-outs could be reduced by about 20%. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Surrey RCMP have released images of two suspects in a stabbing in Wally. A man suffered serious injuries in the attack on King George Boulevard near 102nd Avenue on August 17th. So take a look at these suspects. Suspect one wearing a black t-shirt and beige pants. He has visible tattoos on both arms. The second suspect was wearing a gray t-shirt and blue jeans and carrying a black bag. RCMP say while a motive has not been established yet, this appears to have been a targeted attack. When sex offenders and other criminals are released back into the community, they're often monitored electronically. But as Kristen Robinson shows us, a recent high-profile case involving Randall Hopley raises concerns about how easy it is to evade the system. Randall Hopley is accused of breaching his release conditions by using a library computer near children last year and failing to attend court as his trial was set to start two days after he vanished from his halfway house November 4th. The notorious sex offender and convicted child abductor cut off his electronic ankle monitoring bracelet. After a 10-day manhunt, Hopley showed up outside a VPD station saying he wanted to turn himself in because he was cold. He was out on a long-term supervision order and then disappeared very easily. Now we have another person who is considered a high risk to reoffend. Brian Abrosimo released from prison to live in Surrey. The 61-year-old on a 10-year long-term supervision order after serving more than 14 years for multiple offenses. In 2004, he sexually assaulted a sex trade worker in Surrey. A month later, Abrosimo kidnapped an 11-year-old girl off the street in Langley, then gagged and sexually assaulted her. Like Hopley, he is being supervised electronically. MLA Eleanor Sturko calling for a review of the monitoring of dangerous offenders in BC. When someone poses this level of risk to a community, is there enough in place to protect the public at this time? Corrections Canada says circumstances are reviewed when offenders on long-term supervision orders are returned to custody after being on the lam. During the 2022-23 fiscal year, the agency says an average of about 159 people across the country were enrolled in electronic monitoring on a daily basis. As of mid-November, BC's Public Safety Ministry says 335 people are being supervised electronically. The average daily count of BC Corrections clients on court-ordered electronic supervision increased 139% during the COVID-19 pandemic from 142 clients in 2019 to 339 this year to date. It's important when we are you know, bringing people into communities where there are children and families that we can 
be absolutely confident that they will be receiving adequate supervision and services to protect the community. While Abrosimo is the subject of a public warning in Surrey, Hopley will remain in custody for another two weeks. His bail hearing pushed to December 8th. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Well, it's no secret the job market is going through a period of immense change with new technology and demographic shifts upending many industries. So to help students, workers and businesses plan for what the job market is going to look like in the future, the B.C. government is releasing its 10-year labour forecast, showing a lot of opportunity to find work. Richard Zussman has the details. It's a hiring sign for all of B.C. We aim to help every British Columbian find their path to career success through education, training and skills upgrades. The province expecting more than 1 million job openings over the next decade. 75% of those jobs will require some sort of training or post-secondary education. One challenge the province is facing is convincing students there's as much value in a trades diploma as there is in a post-secondary arts degree. If you're going to be an electrician, you can make a lot more money than if you have a degree, no offense to the poli-sci folks, but if you have a degree in poli-sci. Another challenge, meeting immediate needs for workers. Half of the jobs will be filled by people entering the workforce for the first time, and about half will be filled by immigration. But sectors like construction, with huge demands, aren't seeing the immigrant help that's needed. This year, Canada will attract about 460,000 new immigrants. The challenge is only 2% of those immigrants, about 9,000 people, are going to go into construction. The province producing a list of highest in need professions, a long list including registered nurses, elementary school teachers, social service workers, early childhood educators and letter carriers. There's also a separate list for in-demand trades, including cooks, carpenters, hairstylists, plumbers and welders. Finding those workers to do that work um, is, continues to be a challenge. So some of it's on immigration. We've been in, in contact with the federal um, immigration minister looking for ways to, to use PNP as, um, as a tool to bring in those who already have those skills. We're not doing a great job of looking at our economy, understanding where the skills gaps are, and then going out and recruiting those people to come to Canada. There's also a knowledge gap about what's a good job. In part, government is hoping a new digital tool to inform people about more than 250 in-need professions will help. A path BC needs to get wide to keep the economy going. Children start their dreaming at what they can see. And tools like Find Your Path help them see a wider future. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. A Vancouver Island man is speaking out about a harrowing experience in an ambulance this week. He says he was en route from Victoria to Nanaimo when one of the wheels came flying off on the highway. As Kylie Stanton reports, the 76-year-old fears the outcome could have been much worse. Thanks to a recent heart surgery, Randall Crawl hasn't missed a beat. But the journey home from the hospital ended on a sour note. To me, this whole thing shouldn't have happened. Following a two and a half hour surgery Monday here at Victoria's Royal Jubilee Hospital, Crawl was one of three patients being transported to Nanaimo Regional General. He was on a stretcher in the back of this medivan, where within minutes he realized something wasn't right. I could feel a wobble, a real, a real prominent wobble. 
there was no uh, line cord to pull uh, an alarm to get to the driver. Roughly half an hour later, when the vehicle traveling at highway speeds was nearing the Malahat summit, things took a turn for the worse. Things went haywire and the wheel came right off. The vehicle is now here in Langford undergoing a mechanical inspection. The hub and wheel are missing, exposing the drum brakes. Global News reached out to Medivan Canada for comment, but did not receive a response. Island Health, which contracts out the service, said in a statement, our contractors that support non-emergency patient transports are required to meet stringent safety standards and ensure regular maintenance of their fleets. This is a, very much a medical situation where it shouldn't be overlooked. There's something wrong somewhere along the line and somebody should be nailed for it. Crawl and the other patients were forced to wait more than 30 minutes until another medivan arrived at the side of the highway. He says he had to get off the stretcher and walk more than 10 meters, wearing only a hospital gown. It was getting cold. It could have been snowing on the Malahat at this time of year. And fortunately, the weather was good. Crawl is focusing on those high notes, going as far as commending the driver for keeping everyone safe under the circumstances. But if this was a first, he's hoping it's also the last. You know, I wouldn't want this to happen to anybody. This wasn't right. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Black Friday is the beginning of the most important season for retailers. But after a year of inflation and struggling to pay the bills, are consumers really ready to part with more cash? What's happening in the local malls next on the News Hour? Van Dusen Gardens sparks up some holiday magic a little later. Plus, DC Place announces a history making concert. More on Punjabi superstar Diljit Dosanjh later on the News Hour. Right now, though, once again this year, Black Friday is turning out to be a bit of a buzzkill. No sign of the early morning lineups and door crashing. And Alyssa Thibault shows us how shopping trends are changing. Remember when Black Friday used to be this? Lineups, chaos, and big in-store deals. Now it's a little more subdued. Many of Metro Vancouver's usual hotspots looking more like business as usual. Some shoppers did find Black Friday deals at MacArthur Glen Designer Outlet, but this year's crowds a far cry from the lineups seen in previous years. Experts say one reason could be inflation. Consumer is a little more frugal this year, so uh, I think it's going to be a little tougher, a little softer season for retailers. Of course, most Black Friday deals are found on a laptop or a phone from the couch, but even online sales so far this year are down. So for today, things are a little soft in Canada. Um, as of 2 p.m. Eastern time, sales were down around 1% year over year. Retail analysts say the concept of Black Friday is now less of a day and more like a month, with deals lasting for weeks. Over the last several years, this Black Friday has been diluted. So the actual day of Black Friday is still strong, but it's not as big as it used to be. The discounts also not what they once were, and the TikTok generation is noticing. The younger generation is never going to understand. They're going to be like, I heard it in 2010 
that somebody punched an elderly woman in the face for a TV? Yeah, because it was 80% off. So how was the sale this year? It was okay. I got these AirPods for like 15% off. Dude, I got a laptop for 90% off. Wait, why are you covered in blood? That's not important. Experts say when times are tough for everyone financially, consumers know when they're getting a deal and when they're not. Alyssa Tebow, Global News. And just ahead, a local business on the brink. Let's do or die for us. Facing a massive rent increase, what this garment manufacturer is asking for help to survive. Big delays for eastbound traffic at the Port Van Bridge. Crews are on the scene to a stall at the west end in the right through lane. Contact Kermac for expert windshield repair and replacement services while supporting Kermac Cares for Kids. Kermac is celebrating 50 years of collision and auto glass services, and that's no accident. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, hive of a stall at the Port Van Bridge. Rogers Sugar is applying for mediation, hoping to settle its ongoing labor dispute. The BC company has filed an application with the BC Labor Relations Board to try to reach a fair collective agreement with the public and private workers of Canada Union Local 8. The union has accepted mediation, according to Rogers. The 138 striking workers have been off the job since September 28th, creating a shortage of sugar in much of Western Canada, right when a lot of people are doing a lot of baking. Well, there's a call for government to step in to help BC companies facing huge rent increases that could put some of them out of business. Paul Johnson spoke with a Richmond clothing manufacturer that's facing some very difficult decisions. Anywhere between 20 to 25 people on this main floor working. Take a tour of Ben Christie's Precision Design Group and you get a snapshot of the kind of business any jurisdiction would love to have. T-shirts, hoodies, sweatpants, jackets. In an era when most apparel production has long since departed for overseas, Precision has found a niche. Local retailers big enough to make substantial orders, but still too small to go to the foreign factories. We are one of the few remaining garment factories in Vancouver, if not BC. So all was going well at Precision since Christie and his partners took over the decades-old business a few years ago. Then the lease came up on their Richmond production space. We're facing a rent increase upon lease renewal with our existing landlord of about 74%. A 74% rent hike. Perfectly legal, as there's no cap on commercial rent increases, but devastating to Precision's business model. We're effectively being forced out of this existing space. While Christie's working on a new plan, none of the options are good. It'll cost them to move wherever they go, and affordable rents don't coincide with suitable buildings or proximity to his workforce. Christie says he's not alone. For existing tenants, there should be some sort of protective measures to allow them to safely stay in that same facility. But it's just not the case right now. So Christie's launched a petition calling for the creation of caps on rent increases for commercial tenants. It's getting completely out of control and something needs to be done uh, from a provincial or federal level. But despite the support he's seen, changing the law is likely an uphill battle. A spokesman for the Building Owners and Managers Association of BC told Global News the best mechanism for sorting out fair rents is a free market not an edict from government. In Richmond, Paul Johnson, Global News.
Coming up, the ceasefire still holds. <laughs> Cheers, as dozens of hostages and prisoners are exchanged between Israel and Hamas. Also, parents strained as Even the being cost middle of class formula family for us, it's, it's stressful. What suppliers say is behind the price increase of baby formula. Next. It's really busy in both directions here tonight at the Queensboro Bridge for no good reason. Northbound traffic on the 91A is backed up to Highway 91, and it is super busy eastbound on Marine Way out of Burnaby as well. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $10 million. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Queensboro Bridge. A number of hostages held by Hamas have now been turned over. 13 people were picked up in Gaza by the International Red Cross. That should now trigger the release of 39 prisoners, mostly women and children, held in Israeli prisons. Mike Armstrong is following the story for us from Jerusalem. The first hostages to be released crossed through the Rafah border crossing at about 5.53 p.m. local time. These are images being shared on social media, believed to show the convoy carrying hostages. This is before they left Gaza. People can be heard in the background cheering as the convoy passed. There was also cheering as the trucks crossed into Egypt. The hostages are being moved from the Rafah crossing through Egypt to the east and then into Israel through another border crossing. Now there has been activity all day at this prison in the West Bank, north of Jerusalem. Israel has released 39 prisoners it was holding in return. The temporary pause in fighting between Hamas and the Israeli military is holding. It went into effect at 7 a.m. local time. There was some gunfire and rockets in the first 20 minutes, but it's been calm since then. Another big development today is the release of a group of hostages that wasn't expected. According to Qatar, which worked as a mediator in this agreement, 10 Thai citizens and one Filipino have also been handed over to the Red Cross. Embassy officials in Egypt will pick them up. Now, of the 240 hostages believed to be taken by Hamas, at least 25 are believed to be Thai citizens. That country also had 32 citizens killed in the October 7th attacks. Mike Armstrong, Global News, Jerusalem. In health matters tonight, first it was the empty shelves that leave parents frantic to find baby formula. And now that it's back in stock, many families are struggling to pay for it. Janet Brown has more on the skyrocketing costs of baby formula and how organizations and social media are helping fill the void. Hi. Oh. Raising a child can be expensive. But new mom Rachel Rendell didn't bank on having to spend roughly $450 a month in formula. She's only three and a half months, so it's only going to increase. In addition to the cost, finding formula can be difficult too. So she's decided to import it from the UK. Canada knows that this is an issue, but they're not doing anything to make the affordability better and also the supply better. Stats Canada says the average price of a 900 gram can of formula in BC a year ago was almost $31. 
Now it's just over $38. That is a 23% increase. It's not just a low income issue anymore. It's an issue facing all Canadians. That formula is expensive. We are going to be launching our winter drive on December 1st. Organizations like Baby Go Round that provide new parents in need with necessities say they get requests all the time for help with formula, but often they can't provide it. The backbone of our organization is, is run by volunteers. And as a volunteer who has to look that family in the eye and say, sorry, but we don't have formula right now, it's hard. And she says some families are stretching formula by watering it down. Prolonged poor infant formula has some devastating consequences for, for children. You see weight loss, you see um, lower immune systems. Health Canada says high prices for formula have been partly linked to shortages after the closure of a U.S. manufacturing plant last year. Come on, where's the burp? However, new mother Rachel burp? says more needs to be done. The government needs to do something about it because families can't afford formula at the prices that they are and they also can't keep dealing with the stress that it causes when they're not able to get it on the shelves. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Rachel says as her baby Elizabeth grows, so will her bill for formula. Oh, is it your moose? Janet Brown, Global is News. It your moose? The province is making improvements to hospital care, focusing on helping young people in crisis in the Fraser Health region. Two new response teams have been launched to support young people experiencing mental health or substance use crises, both in hospital and when they return home. The teams will make it easier for young patients and their hospitals to stay connected to ensure their needs are being met. That can result in shorter hospital stays and a reduced likelihood of relapse or a return to the hospital. Officials note the decision to launch in Fraser South was an important one. Fraser Health is home to 41% of children and youth in our province. 41%. Last year, more than 3,400 children and youth were admitted to Fraser Health hospitals with a mental health or substance use concern. The emergency departments, they can feel very overwhelming, they can feel chaotic, they can feel scary, but our role can come in to help break some of that down and make it feel like a safer space to share stories. We get to take the time to work with families, to work with young people who are in the middle of a crisis, help support them, talk about resources, ensure that the, they're not falling through the cracks. Additional teams are expected to launch in Fraser North and Fraser East later this year. Just ahead, another sure sign of the holiday season, the Christmas spirit alive and well at Van Dusen Gardens. Plus, one of the most iconic moments in Canadian hockey history and how Canucks coach Rick Tockett contributed to it, coming up in sports. From breaking news to developing stories, no one connects you to your community better than BC's number one news. Come home to the team you trust. Global News Hour at 6. We are BC's News. Van Dusen Festival of Lights is returning for the holidays. More than a million dazzling lights and displays are spread over the six-hectare botanical garden. The display has long been one of Vancouver's favorite holiday traditions and now features food trucks and other dining options.
Just last week, Condé Nast Travel Magazine named Van Dusen's Light Show one of the world's most spectacular holiday light displays. And Make-A-Wish is this year's charitable partner for the event. It's really about community awareness, uh, funds that help these kids. You know, we have 625 kids waiting for their wishes to be granted in our region alone. And so every dollar counts. And that's really what's great about the partnership. It ends uh, at the beginning of January. So we have quite a few months of uh, quite a few weeks that we get to participate in. And, you know, the more the merrier and the more wishes we can grant, the better. The Van Dusen Festival of Lights operates from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. every night from now until January 7th, except for Christmas Day. Tickets are available online, but they sell out quick, so you better get on it. Uh, okay, so beautiful there over the Christmas uh, time, and I don't know whether we'll have <laughs> snow or not, but it doesn't really matter with all that sunshine we're getting lately. That's right. I'm not even thinking about snowfall right no. now, Chris, and no one needs to be. Yeah, it looks like this ridge of high pressure is going to last uh, for quite a while. It looks like potentially through until Thursday. Now, I want to just show you this image quickly. We talked about Kelvin Helmholtz waves not too long ago, and it looks like that's potentially in this image. This was just sent to me today from the Caribou region. Just a closer look at them. Thanks, Christine, for sharing that photo with us, but I think that's what we're seeing there. Super cool. I can't believe the photos that we've seen this week. All right, talking a little bit about, about drought because of this ridge of high pressure. It looks beautiful, yes, but we're also still talking about the rainfall. We've had huge improvement across the north and central coast in terms of drought. Few areas in the southern interior have improved, but we're still dealing with an exceptional drought period in through the BC Peace River area. In fact, McGregor region has actually gotten worse. Now the ground is freezing, so the, the chance of us getting some substantial moisture into the ground over the next several months is less likely. So we'll be watching that area very closely into the spring. Some low-level cloud expected, but otherwise clear skies. But keep in mind, in the Caribou Central Interior, I am I am concerned about freezing drizzle tonight and through the day tomorrow. So that could mean icy conditions on the sidewalks and roads. Again, Caribou Central Interior freezing drizzle possible tonight and into tomorrow morning. Otherwise, we'll see frosty conditions certainly here, which could be slippery as well, but lots of sunshine indeed. Looks like it'll hold right through until Wednesday at the very least, potentially even into a Thursday. All right. Tonight's Centre Windows weather window coming to you from Surrey. This is from Fred Rivers, and uh, that is a very cool um, fog shot. All right, Chris, back to you. Sure is. Thanks for sending that in, Fred, and thank you, Christy. All right. Uh, for the first time, a Punjabi megastar is going to be performing at BC Place next year. If you didn't know, that is Diljeet Dosanjh. He's bringing his Diluminati tour to Vancouver's biggest stadium on April 27th. In 2022, the singer's concert at Rogers Arena sold out the entire venue, and this year, he became the first Punjabi artist to perform at Coachella. Live Nation Canada says his upcoming show at BC Place will be the largest Punjabi show ever outside of India. Tickets go on sale December 1st with pre-sales beginning November 30th. Giving Taylor Swift a run for her money. All right, Squire joins us now with a look ahead to uh, sports. What have we got? Okay, so Andre Kuzmenko, as we all know, scored 39 goals last season, but that doesn't buy him any slack from head coach Rick Tockett, who says Kuzmenko is not going to play tonight in Seattle. Yeah, last year's last year. You know, it's a, it's a different team. It's a different way of playing. 
Yeah, Kuzmenko hasn't scored like he did last season, but it's what he's done without the puck that's landed him in the doghouse for now. All right, thank you, Squire. Also tonight, a shortened version of Satellite Debris. All right, what am I shilling here? Squires back with sports. Tonight we're going to show the Rick Tockett story that we couldn't show last night. I'm glad I'm here for it. There was I would have missed it. a giant gremlin in the system. <laughs> we dealt with the gremlin. You don't know what, what, what we did. You don't want to know what we did to it. But it's gone. The gremlin is gone. Uh, there will be a few changes for the Vancouver Canucks going into tonight's game down in Seattle. For one, Carson Soucy is now on long-term injured reserve, and Pew Suter is just on injured reserve, which means less time off. So Nils Oman and uh, Cole McWard have been called up from Abbotsford. Both might play tonight, especially Oman. I think he'll get in. He actually just got a two-year contract extension today, so it's been a good day for him. One guy who won't play tonight is Andre Kuzmenko. He's not scoring like he did last season, but... Last season, he did have a shooting percentage of 27.3, which he wasn't going to do two years in a row. But it's more than just not scoring for Kuzmenko. Yeah, I, I think Kuzi needs a reset. I think he needs to um, get his game a little sharper. I mean, when you're not scoring, you've got to make sure that your detail's in your own end. I think he's... Uh, you know, he's thinking too much, um, but there are some system stuff that we have to count on, not just him, everybody to be in these positions. Um, you know, we're in, the, we're in the fight now, and, you know, we're, we're trying to play a little bit more up-tempo, and we got to get Kuzi just a little up to speed on that stuff. Now, the game Rick Tockett has been trying to teach the Canucks this season is a lot like the one he played. When he played, he could score. He could check. He could certainly hit, and he could fight. He doesn't ask his players to fight, but... If he had to drop the gloves, he was a formidable opponent. A lot of people also forget that Rick Tockett was good enough to play on the greatest or at least one of the greatest Team Canada's ever. The one from 1987, the Canada Cup that year, which featured Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. It's one of the most iconic moments in Canadian hockey history. Mario Lemieux clinching the 1987 Canada Cup against the Soviet Union on yet another perfect pass from Wayne Gretzky. The quality of the hockey and talent levels on both sides was incredible. The Canadian power play consisted of Gretzky, Lemieux, Marc Messier, Ray Bork and Paul Coffey. All Hall of Famers, five of the top 14 scorers in the history of the NHL. Nearly 9,600 points combined. Also part of that roster, Rick Tockett, then 23, and coming off a Stanley Cup Finals loss a few months earlier with the Flyers against Gretzky's Mighty Oilers. They had Stevie Eisenman got cut. All these guys, they could have easily been on the team. Um, lucky Mike Keenan was my coach, so maybe he was a little biased to get me on the team. I'm very blessed because um, lifelong friends, right? Uh, you know, you, you, you play with certain guys. like. You know, I, I didn't know Wayne Gretzky, and, you know, was one of my closest friends today. Mario Lemieux, another one of my closest friends today. Those memories are something I'll never forget. Rick Tockett. Tockett turned out to be a key member of Team Canada, especially in Game 3 of the Finals when Canada got off to a terrible start and was in a huge hole. We're losing 3-0, and we had a 5-on-3. And Keenan 
put, grabs me by the shoulder and th he was mad at the team so he throws me get out there and I, I did a double take because I'm like I looked on my right and I got you know Howard Chuck and Lemieux and Gretzky I looked on my left and Michelle Goulet and Ray Bork and these guys and I'm going out there and he hit me again he literally hit me get the get the F out there and uh, lucky the rebound came and I scored and then he put us back out there on a 5-on-5. We scored again. I think it was uh, um, me Proppy to Sutter scored in front. And then our job was done. Then the big boys took over, um, and we ended up winning. Even though it's been 36 years, Tockett has vivid memories, especially of the loud, flag-waving crowd in Hamilton. I've been in some loud bands in my life, and that probably could be with the flags. And, you know, back then, you know, Russia was more of a, you know, it was a communist state. So there was a little bit of the politics involved there. That was pretty crazy and um, pretty emotional, actually. Lots of afternoon hockey being Black Friday down south. Stuart Skinner actually didn't allow a goal today for the Edmonton Oilers. Got the shutout against Washington and the power play was working for the Oilers. It was kind of like last year's Oilers on display here. Evan Bouchard from McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And then McDavid sets up Leon Dreisaitl. McDavid actually had four assists in this game today, so Edmonton wins it 5-0. Coquitlam's Javon Holland had the play of the day in Miami's 34-13 win over the New York Jets. He scored his first ever NFL touchdown. It was also the first ever Black Friday game for the NFL to go along with the uh, three Thanksgiving Day games they played yesterday. And they did it in New York, MetLife. Well, actually not in New York, in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Technical about things. Uh, Tyreek Hill had a touchdown. But the big TD was right before halftime. The Jets going for the Hail Mary. Why not just try it? It's almost halftime. And Javon Holland's waiting for it. Now, he doesn't knock it down. He picks it off and then thinks, you know what? I've got some blockers. So he goes 99 yards for the TD. And this basically took the steam out of the Jets and gave the Dolphins a big halftime lead. As soon as I seen the ball in the air the way it was, and I like looked to my left and right, everybody boxing out, I was like, oh yeah, I need that. Like scoring on defense is huge. It's rare, very rare. It's hard to get an interception. It's hard to get a pick six. But bro, that it is difficult. So when I had the opportunity, I was like, oh yeah, I need that. And then everybody blocking in front of me, I knew they felt the same thing I felt. I'm, I'm trying to get in the zone, so yep. I was for Coquitlam. Way to go. There you go. Great play. Okay, we're back with Satellite Debris next. Andrew is here now to preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. And Thanks, Chris. New Westminster Police have arrested 34 people and recommended more than 50 charges following a crackdown on crime in the downtown area, all part of a two-month special project focusing on violent offenders. And we know food banks are feeling squeezed right now due to rising costs, and university campuses are no exception. Some university food banks, like the one at UBC, are seeing a spike in demand. We'll be talking to organizers when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Chris? Okay, and thanks very much for that. Uh, all right, last word on weather before we go here, Christy. 
plenty of sunshine for the weekend. So enjoy, everyone. I don't know if you're the same as me, but I'm thinking about all of those leaves I need to rake up and do some gardening. Yep. So this is the weekend to do it. All right, maybe even get some of those Christmas decorations up. I know it's not yeah. December yet, but U.S. Thanksgiving is kind of the... Totally. That's, that's the start, right? Totally. Absolutely. Right. That You'll see me out in the neighborhood, neighbors. No doubt about it. Thanks for watching and have a great weekend, everybody. This is Global News. I'm Alex Foster. A for, for most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.